Sports back, yeah, live, back in action, streaming through your internet on the radio. This is the Root for Sports podcast. My name is Jason Fearman. You can find me on Twitter at SportsProfit1. That's the number one. Today, we're going through the hot topics in sports. Have a little fantasy football fun. Going to talk a little quarterback carousel. A lot of other stuff around the league. Who you got, who you want, what you're going to do. We'll do a little NBA and MLB another time. But today, my special guest, Timothy from Obstructed Viewer on Twitter, a man with a variety of knowledge in sports, and that's why we got him here to share his thoughts with us today on and off the field. Tim, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. We've been conversing on Twitter for quite a while, and now I got you here, brother. Welcome to the Roof of Sports Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, and it's a pleasure to be on your show for sure. I'm very excited for uh, for uh, some of the talk of football today. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know we're going to get into it, brother. It's definitely happening. Football is what we love. The season is over. That's okay. Amen. My 49ers lost the Super Bowl. That's not okay, but we move on. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Some breaking news in the NFL today to get to it real quick. Drew Brees is staying with The Saints, he's coming back. He's going to play another season in 2020, obviously for the New Orleans Saints because he's not going anywhere else. That will get into an article we'll talk about in a little bit with you, Tim, um, how you got everything in with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill and what's going to happen with Drew Brees and all that. You wrote a great article also with the quarterback carousel we got going on. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Also, the Seahawks signed Greg Olson, who is not the Greg Olson of old, but one year, $7 million deal, another safety blanket for Russell Wilson. I think it's a good move. I think so, too. Uh, Olsen, if he's healthy, is going to be a great asset uh, for the Seahawks. And um, I really like that move for them. As he said, it's another option for Wilson to be more of that passing quarterback that he's really improved himself on over the years. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Speaking of quarterbacks uh, and the NFL all time, our greatest players, we were running a poll on uh, Rufus Sports over here on Sports uh, Sports Profit One. Uh, For the last week, we've been going over uh, the best players in each position in the NFL, in NFL history. Some of them have been newer players, Recent players, retired players, all-time players. So we're getting a gist of who's voting out there. Keep the voting going. We appreciate it. We're on the defensive side right now. But we did do offense all of last week. We started with quarterback Tim. The choices were Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. The public went with Pat Mahomes, maybe living in the moment after that Super Bowl MVP last year throwing for 50,000 touchdowns and all that. He was remarkable, is remarkable. But would he be the guy after only two seasons of seeing what you've seen and knowing what we know probably he's going to be an all-time great, would you start him over Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and or Aaron Rodgers? Well, Pat Mahomes has already started 
proving me wrong from the minute he got drafted um, because I thought he was just a system quarterback at Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury. And <laughs> I was actually called out on that on Twitter during his MVP year, which I'm glad I'm wrong because he is a very much of a stand-up guy and he's really done everything to this point excellent in the NFL. I, with that all said, it's going to take more than two years before we can just hand over the greatest quarterback ever moniker because of that. I mean, you're talking about everything Tom Brady has done to this point, you know, five Super Bowl ring, no, six Super Bowl rings, excuse me. Um, I'm trying to give, try to remove that one year when they beat the Falcons. Um, Um, you know the MVPs that Brady's had um, if you look at you know what Aaron Rodgers has done if you look at what Peyton Manning has done he's not on that level anywhere near that level yet I mean he's just going to have to add in the years Um, I do think he also has to be I don't want to use the word less scrambling but I know that's a big part of his game but we tend to see those scrambling quarterbacks get injured more often than not so he could end up being more of a pocket passer um, evolve into more of a pocket passer which is going to be pretty scary anyway uh, down the road but right now you know it's just way too early for him to have that title so yeah for people who want to see Lamar Jackson stay healthy they got to hope that he's not running around too much crazy smaller stature and body and everything uh, guy had a great season MVP no doubt Patrick right. Mahomes could be the best quarterback in the NFL right now but I went with Aaron Rodgers um, I'm not Look, stats count, don't get me wrong, okay, but I'm more of an eye test guy. I see what goes on on the field, and I evaluate that way, what they're doing on the field. They're making their teammates better. How are they, uh, you know, coming in and out of that play? Are they audibling, whatever, whatnot. Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal at that. He still is. He was the most athletic, greatest quarterback that we had ever seen until Patrick Mahomes came along, but I'm going to still go with Rodgers for now, although I do see what people are saying. Going to running back, you're probably going to like this one. We had a few out there. We had Walter Payton, Sweetness. We had Jim Brown. I mixed it up a little bit with Marshall Falk because, to me, he's the best dual threat running back that we have ever seen. Him, LaDainian Tomlinson, you can argue. But then Barry Sanders was also in there. And, gosh, people love him. I love him. I picked Barry Sanders myself. What the guy has done, really, there aren't many words for, or maybe there are just too many words for to explain what he did on the field. Too bad he didn't have a better offensive line, a better team, a better quarterback, not eight, nine men in the box every time to to try to stop him. Because Barry Sanders, if he didn't retire at age 30, he would have ran for 20,000 yards, and Emmett Smith's name wouldn't even, would, would be an afterthought. Right. Um and I, for me as a Lions fan, because I grew up in Detroit watching Barry, um, he was just a joy to watch. I mean, he was—he may go down as the best pure running, like runner in terms of a running back ever. The things he could do have never been paralleled before or after. Now we weren't around when Jim Brown dominated, so so I can't really say say you know Jim what Jim Brown was I mean I just see the highlights and he he was great 
but just seeing Barry and growing up in the time as Barry was in his prime and so forth. <laughs> I mean, he's my he's my guy um, in terms of that. But you know, it's also it's hard to really go against Marshall Falk because of what he brought to the table. Him and Ladainian Tomlinson, same kind of guy. You could, you know, you know, you can get him from the running back spot. You can get him to catch balls out of the backfield. I mean, he would. I mean, they were both just excellent receiving running backs and dual threat running backs. Now, um, Barry just Sally. He was in Detroit when. There wasn't a quarterback, and had they got that quarterback back in the nineties, who knows what would have happened with the Lions? Maybe they could have really given Dallas and San Francisco in, in that time period that nice run. Yeah, but maybe it never really happened. No, they had that one run in ninety two. They got to the NFC Championship against the Redskins, but Mark Rippon and that crew were just way too much for them. It was uh, they won the Super Bowl that year against the Buffalo yeah. Bills, who lost four in a row. God, we feel bad for them, but. Yeah, I'm with you on Barry. I picked Barry myself. Wide receiver was the next one. Um, that was the biggest poll that we got. A lot of people voted on that one. I can't even remember the number, but thank you to all who have voted. I appreciate it on behalf of the sports column and the Roof of Sports podcast. Um, wide receiver, we had your boy Calvin Johnson made the cut. We had Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and Michael Irvin. The reason why Jerry Rice's name is not in there is because he is the GOAT. We know that he would have got 100% of the vote, so we wanted to make it a little bit interesting. How interesting it did get, Calvin Johnson got a hell of a lot of votes, man. I voted for Terrell Owens because, again, without getting too much into it, I remember what he did. Hated him as a player, couldn't stand him as a person. The guy just drove me crazy. But what he did on the field for the 49ers and then after that with Philly and so on with Dallas, the guy was incredible with the ball yards after the catch. Great can go up and get it. The guy just really started to dominate football. He was that guy. But there was another guy also, Randy Moss, who did win this vote, who people had ahead of him really all along. Two little, two different types of receivers where Randy's the kind of, the kind of guy who's going to, you know, go up and catch every pass that is thrown up there, no matter if there's three or four defenders on him. Owen's the kind of guy that can make a play happen anywhere. I kind of like that guy, so I went with Owen's. And, again, you couldn't go wrong either way if you chose Owens or Moss. And Owens, to me, is still, like, maybe the best wide receiver that after when he, after he caught the ball. Because you knew that you're going to have a hard time bringing him down. And you can make a 50, you know, he could break off a 50-yard touchdown off a of, off of screen, which is – was pretty much like unheard of at that time. Um, so I really see why people would go for Owens. Um, I, I go with Moss because of what you said, because he was able to get those passes. And to me, he was just that one guy that, that the minute you threw it to him, you knew he was going to come down with the ball. It didn't matter where you were on the, he was on the field Anywhere you threw it to him, you knew he was going to make a catch on that play and stuff like that. And you had to plan for Randy Moss all the time. Absolutely. I'm not saying you didn't do that for Owens. I mean, teams didn't do that for Terrell Owens. But but I think Moss was just a once-in-a-generation type player. Um, and I know, 
you know, if you kind of look at, you know, the personalities and stuff like that, they both had their um, ups and downs with attitude and so forth over the years. So that kind of neutralizes out a little bit. But I always thought that Moss could just do probably a little bit more of what he was able to do. Maybe so. He uh, look. He he was faster. He he definitely had more speed downfield. He ended uh, you know Darrell Revis's career. He just blew him away, and that was the end of Revis right there until he went to New England and won a Super Bowl with them. But uh, yeah, Randy Moss, God, unbelievable. I remember when he came on the scene in Minnesota. Scoring 17 touchdowns, I think, in his rookie year. I just was like, I never seen anything like the guy. He was incredible. Overall, like I said, I like Owens, but can't go wrong with Randy. Uh, last offensive category, we're doing defense this week. We'll talk about it later in the week. But uh, tight end, let's go through that one real quick. I did have Tony Gonzalez. I had Antonio Gates. I got Rob Gronkowski, <clears throat> excuse me, and Shannon Sharp. Now, look, guys, I could have put in Ozzie Newsom. I could have put in Mike Ditka. I could have put in Kellen Winslow. But you guys seem a little bit too young out there to know who they are. <laughs> so I went with more of the earlier generation over here. Um, you know, the newer generation, I, I should say. So out of those four, Gonzalez, Gates, Gronk, and Shannon Sharp, who is the oldest of the crew, if you can believe that, who would you go with there? Um, man, it's down to Gonzalez and Gronk. Um part of me really wants to say Gronk because of what he was able when, when he was on the field he could just dominate a game and I mean he made and not saying that Tom Brady would not have been as successful with without him but and by the way he was my pick for the best quarterback around uh, but but with Gronkowski he could do all that. He was very he was very underrated as a blocker. I mean, he could block, but I mean, he was great, you know, catching those passes. Any chance Brady threw it to him, he was kind of Mr. Reliable. I have to go with Gonzalez because he could do that as well, but also he was kind of a guarantee in the red zone. It's like you could double or triple team Gonzalez in the end zone, in the red zone, and he'd still come down with it. And that was the thing with Gonzalez. And plus, there was more of a durability factor with Gonzalez of why I'm choosing him as opposed to Gronk, who always had those injuries that would pile up and so forth. When Gronk was on the field, you know, it, it's impossible to to compete against him or to touch him. But the problem was, he would. it always felt like there was some sort of injury that would keep him out for a short time. So that's why I got to go with Gonzalez. Yeah, it came down to two things for me. Um, you have to consider health. It, it, it is a factor. Rob Gronkowski is a better blocker, I believe, than Tony Gonzalez was. Tony Gonzalez, I think, a little more sure-handed and more of a threat in the red zone. Not that Gronkowski wasn't, but uh, that's what it came down to, those two things. Availability is the best of ability. Gronkowski played hurt half his career. He missed a lot of games. He missed the Super Bowl, I believe. So he went through a lot. And uh, just knowing that that guy looked like one of those robotic broken machines out there and knowing that Tony Gonzalez was just always there and so reliable, I, I, I had to go with him. And let me tell you something. I really considered Antonio Gates. That guy was a touchdown machine. I remember that offense was great with Philip Rivers and Danny Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson. 
Oh my god. It was a nightmare. Crew. Oh, Some they were they great. Still didn't win any Super Bowls I, with the oh, they had a chance. The the they had a chance. I think it was 07 or 08. They went against uh, the Patriots in the AFC game. That's when freak yeah. unbel- Philip Rivers tears his ACL. It, the the game prior still goes out, plays the game, unbelievable. And I think it came down to a field goal. What a performance by him! Tough guy. Yeah, that was. I think uh, Tomlinson's MVP run, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that might have been the year that he ran for the 31 touchdowns, I think. What a player. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, so we're going to oh, get yeah, into that. We're going to keep the voting, guys. We're going to keep the voting going. Um, Go to Sports Profit 1. Go to my uh, my uh, pinned uh, tweets over there. Vote on it. We're doing defense this week. Pass rushes right now is going on a defensive tackle. Um, We know that Lawrence Taylor has already won that category, so enough said right there. <laughs> Let's move on to a few really quick topics. Um, want to make sure we have time for everything over here. Very, very quick on Brady. We spoke about it real fast um, regarding Brady and where he may go and what we think is going to happen. Um, I mentioned to you earlier when we were talking off air, I think that Brady's best bet right now is to move on, take over L.A., take over that new stadium. Um, they would overshadow the Rams. The Rams are falling off a little bit right now. Um, between him and Belichick, they're – they're not on the same page. I think Brady needs that new environment. Go out and enjoy football again. Have fun. I think the odds of them winning a Super Bowl is somewhat even unless the Patriots, of course, could go out and grab a few players for Brady to throw the ball to because um, things just are not working out over there. And again, my last point between that was um, we already know that Bill Belichick lost his battle trying to keep Jimmy Garoppolo a few years ago, and they held on to Tom Brady. Seemed to work out for them. They did win a Super Bowl out of it. But the fact remains right now is that we know that Belichick wants another quarterback and Tom Brady and Belichick are not seeing eye to eye. So what I do believe is that Brady will go to the Chargers and he should go to the Chargers and he's got plenty of offensive weapons over there. Right. And I'm I'm similar to you. I think he's a Charger as well um, because I, I'm not buying into the whole TMZ talk of, oh, well, he – you know, emptied out his his family's luxury suite in Foxborough and all that other stuff. That's that to me is kind of a moot point. But but you're right. It just seems like Belichick and Brady had seen better days in terms of their relationship. And Belichick is that head coach that the minute he's he got the most out of you, he moves on. He doesn't he doesn't keep you for sentimental value. Right and. That's going to be that's going to be the deciding factor there. And if the Patriots really wanted Brady back, they would have given him an extension. I think before the season, because you know Tom keeps saying, "Well, I can play until I'm 50 or whatever he keeps saying. So, so I think the Patriots like, okay, I think it's time because I think the Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl they won, was indicative of where they feel like Brady's going at this point because. It's hard to say. It's hard to say that he's going downhill, but he he's not the same Tom Brady as we've come to know. He missed a lot of guys in that playoff game against Tennessee, and you know we can say a lot about well, maybe it was just the receivers weren't as great, but he was not hitting his targets like he used to, and maybe he goes to the Chargers and. He builds off, you know, he gets the, the ball to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and those guys. But I don't know. But I think it's perfect for the Chargers 
get that new stadium, get something to talk about with fans in that area who just are completely shut up, shutting out the Chargers. They don't want the Chargers there, but this is the guy that will bring them in. So I think this is perfect for the Chargers, perfect for Brady, so he can show he can do it without Belichick. So I think he's going – I think I'm with you. He's going to the Chargers. All right. All right, that, that, we'll see. Time will tell. We're going to find that. You never know a Brady. He is a mystery. There's no doubt. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see. Again, I'll leave it off with, do you want Brady for a year or two, or do you want Belichick for another 10 to 15 years? To me, it's a no-brainer. You take Belichick. Moving on, Belichick. I got two quarterbacks for you. The first one, Jameis Winston. I'll say my piece really fast. I've said it from the get-go. I never thought that guy was a starting quarterback. He's got talent. There's no doubt. But – the guy turns the ball over way, way too much. Yes, he can throw it a ton. He can make plays, but he's not the kind of guy who's going to go out and win you a championship. So I don't even know if he's a starter in the in the NFL anymore. Could he land somewhere? Yes. May he stay with Tampa? Possibly. I'm not so sure after what Bruce Arians said, but I'm not a fan of Jameis Winston on the field. To me, he's a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of backup at best. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you kind of hit it. He does have talent, and he does have that, you know, he does have talent to be a starting quarterback. Now, the problem with that is, and this is what's plagued him even in his time at Florida State, and I know it's kind of cliche to say it's what's between the, what's in between the years of Jameis Winston. You know, he has that attitude of, I'm going to throw it in, I can throw it to anyone on that field, for a wide receiver, I don't care if there's five guys on him, I'm going to make sure I hit him. And that has been his problem. That's why his interceptions are so sky high. I don't think he's, I don't think he's horrible with the accuracy like people make him out to be. I just think he's just so inclined to prove that he can make that pass and it's killing the Buccaneers. Now, we talked about it. You know, Arians being the quarterback whisperer all these years. I don't know. I mean, I do think Arians wants Winston. I think he wants to have Winston if Winston can learn from these mistakes. But does Winston want to learn from these mistakes? That's good. that's the question right now. So I do think he can be a starting quarterback somewhere. Um, I do think that. At this point, if the Bucks have to choose between Winston or Phillip Rivers, I'd still keep Winston because I just don't think Rivers has it like he used to have it. So is he going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? No. But is he going to be a quarterback that will keep the Buccaneers from going 3-13 and 13, uh, with it? Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be still competitive. I just don't think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So... And there are some starting quarterbacks who won't be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know, somebody like Andy Dalton or um, can't think of anybody else at this point. But you know, but it's just how it is. That's just that's just how I feel about Winston. I'm not a big fan of him though. So, well, that that's my thing with Jameis Winston. You said it yourself. Is he a Super Bowl winning quarterback? No. And to me, that's it. You, you draft a quarterback to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, especially if you take him first overall in the draft. So to me, that says everything right there. There's so much more I want to go over with you. I know we don't have time for everything, so we're going to try to blast through a couple of more real quick. Um, one I wanted to spring on you was Ben Roethlisberger. In my personal opinion, he's done in Pittsburgh. Now, I know he's working out, trying to get back in shape and get healthy to come back for the 2020 season, 
but I'm in the mindset that they need to do everything they can to move on from him. His health is a problem. He's getting older. He can't move around like he used to. The offensive line is not as good as it used to be. He doesn't have the players surrounding him anymore. Antonio Brown is not there. Now, their problem is they don't they don't even have a first-round pick this year. So they're going to have to do something like try to package maybe a James Conner and uh, I, I'm not even sure who else. Maybe maybe, maybe Watson. I'm not even sure who else they can get because they got Minka Fitzpatrick for that first-round pick last year. I think that they need to move on from Big Ben, try to move up in the draft somehow, some way, or trade for a quarterback. But I think they need to start the new era. What do you think? They're kind of stuck between that rock and a hard place. I don't think you move on from Roethlisberger in 2020. I just don't see that happening. Um, and <laughs> would you? my question is, who would you rather have? Would you have Roethlisberger or Mason Rudolph or you know, a third option. And Rudolph didn't show anything last year to make me think that he's the future either. So I think right now Pittsburgh's just going to have to grit their teeth and keep Ben Roethlisberger um, for at least one more year and then see where they are in 2020 to get a pick in 2021, maybe move up and get somebody like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Um that would be kind of more of the better situation for Pittsburgh at this point. So do they move on from Roethlisberger? Yes, because in the past he's kind of hinted, he's kind of pulled the Brett Favre card a little bit where he thinks about maybe I should make this my last year or maybe I'm going to retire. You know, I get that. Um, so you're right. I think the writing's on the wall for Roethlisberger. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I think he has one more year left in Pittsburgh and then they'll, finally get their next franchise quarterback in the 2021 draft. Well, you might be right about that, and time will tell because we'll see. Again, they don't have much leverage over there in the draft to do anything, and if Big Ben can get healthy to start the season, that'd be great because I don't think Mason Rudolph is going to work out. We know he's going through his whole thing right now with the <laughs> with the Miles Garrett situation, so forget about that. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, guys. Again, you're listening to the Rufus Sports Podcast. We're Timothy Thief from Instructed Viewer. We're having a great time over here. We only got a few minutes left um, right now, and then we're going to jump into segment two in a couple of minutes. And, of course, we're going to have Timothy back on because I have a lot more I want to talk about with him. But we're going to do a little who you got right now. So I got players like, for example, Tyree Kill and Michael Thomas, two great players, two different styles, two amazing playmakers. Which one would you choose out of those two? Um. I would go with uh, Hill. Um, he's just dynamic in every sense of the word. Um, he could do more things on the field like return punts and such like that and do sweeps. And, you know, he's that guy that you need to get the ball into his hands as much as you can. Thomas is your prototypical receiver that can catch the ball. And, I mean, he gets overlooked a lot, even despite having breaking the record for most receptions and so forth. I just, I just think you get more for your uh, buck with Hill than Thomas, which says something because Thomas is very underrated, especially when you're kind of comparing other receivers to like Julio and DeAndre Hopkins and, um, and a few other guys. So, so, you know, I'd have to go with Hill, but just barely. 
Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Hill does bring a little bit more of Michael Thomas. He used the word prototypical. That's exactly what he is as a wide receiver. He is phenomenal. Let me throw an interesting one at you. After the season Ezekiel Elliott just had and the one that Derrick Henry just had, who would you go with in the future? Well, being, <laughs> being an Alabama fan, I'm already subjected <laughs> to be biased on this one, but Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry is just a monster. I mean, it's like watching a skyscraper run through things. I mean, Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott, I don't know. I don't know with Ezekiel Elliott at this point, but Derrick Henry, I think he's a little more grounded. He's one of those guys that gets that continues getting better and, you know, can withstand a lot more hits, I think, than uh, Elliot can. I mean, that doesn't mean Elliot can't. It's just, I think, Derrick Henry is more more inclined to do that. And also, if... I just think Elliot had... Well, let me tell you that. I think Henry has that thing where, you know, if he takes a loss, I don't think he gets he lets that affect him as much as say Ezekiel Elliott does. So I would just lean towards more of Derrick Henry because I mean he's that prototypical power back and he does it well. Yeah, well he, he does it extremely well. He led the league in rushing this year with two hundred and eleven in his last game to overtake Nick Chubb, the rookie. Um he had a fantastic year. Uh again, listen, great episode. Rufus Sports Podcast. We're going to keep rolling on. This is part one. We got part two coming up for you in just a couple of minutes over there. So hang tight. Listen to a little music. Timothy, we're going to keep in rocking and rolling, buddy. All right? All right. Sounds like a plan. All right, my man. Let them hear a little music and we'll be right back. Guys, we are back. We are back live in action. Here we go. Rufus Sports Podcast presented by the Sports Column. The Sports Column, guys. That's where you guys got to go check out all the great articles. MLB, NFL, MLB, everything is out there. NBA, we got it all. Even golf, believe it or not. So, look, if you love sports, the Sports Column, place to be. Go check it out. And definitely hit up my boys over there. Brawl NFL at the Brawl Network. Those are my boys. Check them out. See what's happening. Rock and roll. Tim, you ready, partner? You ready to get back into it? I'm ready. All right, my man. Why don't we pick it up where we left off over here, all right? Rufus Sports Podcast going strong. And here we go. We're going to get into your team's partner, all right? We talked about your Falcons a little bit, all right? We talked about your Lions a little bit. And neither one of them, again, I'm not taking any shots, neither one of them had a good season, one thing I – again, you can understand with the Lions losing Stafford. And he, to me, I got to tell you, he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks, I think, in the league. He doesn't get enough love because yeah. the Lions don't draft well. They don't trade. They, they You know, they just don't do the right things. They don't build from the interior, and that's why 
they consistently have a bad team. So that's they build from the interior, but they just haven't not the right guys. Guys, well, right. That that's what I you know what that's what I meant to say. Well said. Thank you, Tim. You're right. Tomlinson, you know, um, Tomlinson, your uh, boy, uh, one of your linemen from San Francisco, he was the Lions draft pick and didn't pan out well. Eric Ebron, all granted, tight end. Eric Ebron had that big year with Indianapolis, and people were wondering, well, why didn't he do it in Detroit? Um, and, and it's just one of those things. It's like they they try to invest in up in the interiors and. They just haven't panned out well. I mean, the one time they hit hit a gold mine was uh, Sue when they drafted yeah. him, and yeah. after he they let him walk, the defense has never been the same. No, the so. defense has major problems. They have a really hard time putting the ball in the end zone. It's 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 tough. And Matt Stafford is one tough son of a gun, man. That guy will play right. through anything. People don't really realize that, but he's as tough as they get. He'll play through any kind of pain. So I'm a yeah, big... And I've always been a guy that has, you know, defended Stafford. I'm kind of a Stafford apologist. And people just... I, I just think they just give him too many unwarranted shots. Oh, he can't win the big game. Well, he doesn't have a... You know, he had a solid defense early on, but he's never had a run game. He's never had a run game behind him. And I think back into the 90s when Detroit had Barry Sanders and Herman Moore, the thing that was missing was a quarterback. Sure. Of course. Now it's the reverse. It's like they have the they have the receivers, they have the quarterback, now they don't have the run game. Had right. Stafford been playing in that time era, who knows what the Lions could have done. Yeah, it's interesting. They fooled us a little bit in the beginning of the year. They looked like a pretty solid team coming out. I know they had that weird tie, but then again, Stafford getting hurt. So we know what happened after that. But again, um, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of talk about maybe moving Stafford out. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the best idea. I would it's, keep it, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. No, well, you, you, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I would hold on to him and try to build around him still. The guy can still play. There's, there's been a lot of talk the last couple of years that, that they're going to move Stafford, but Detroit has already come out. The ownership has already come out and told general manager Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, next year, your guys better win or else. And if Detroit trades Stafford and let's say they draft Tua Tagovailoa, who has already said he doesn't want to play in Detroit because of the instability with the front office and the head coaching spot. Well, that sounds like a rebuild to me. And I don't think they're going to be in the mode for rebuilding. So I know I've been hearing talks lately about Darius Slay, the cornerback, the one positive, one good defensive player they have being moved. Right. But that's a little different. You're talking about Matthew Stafford. You need a quarterback and, you know, after Stafford got hurt, you know, the Lions were reminiscent of those teams back in the early Matt Millen era where they just struggled at quarterback and couldn't win anything. So you, they need to have Matthew Stafford, and trading him would be would set the Lions back pretty much for another five, ten years and still remain as the Detroit Lions. The thing is they do have talent in Detroit. They, I mean, they really invested a lot in the offseason with Flowers from New England and uh, the corner that I can't think of right now that escaped, that escaped my mind from Seattle. 
they got those guys. They invested a lot in them. They didn't produce. And then you add in Harrison from the Giants where they made that trade uh, two seasons ago to shore up the defensive line with, you know, with a lot of those guys. It's not like the team is on a rebuild a la the Dolphins or Arizona or some of those teams. So they can't afford to trade Stafford, especially if Patricia and Quinn's jobs are on the line. Okay, well, that's where I'm going. You see, going back to what you said, where you you know you drafted good players, but they didn't perform well in Detroit. They went on to perform well in other places. So you can say coaching is a problem. You can say maybe the front office doesn't make the right decisions at the right time. But it seems like it certainly comes from the top. And Matt Patricia, the rest of the coaching staff, are they the guys? I don't know. But something definitely needs to be done. And, right. you know, again, they don't need a full rebuild. Obviously, we went over that. But they got to get the right guys in the right spot. And in that division, with Aaron Rodgers still around, and I, I like Minnesota's team, I think that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender next year. I actually thought they were going to be uh, one this year. Um, they're still a good team, and, and who knows what can happen with Chicago if Mitch Trubisky ever grows up or they find another quarterback. You know, we'll see. But, yeah, moving on from Detroit, uh, again, tough division, tough circumstances over there. We're going to see what happens. But another division in the NFC in the South with the Atlanta Falcons, which New Orleans has owned that division for the past few years after Atlanta, uh, you know, sorry, lost that Super Bowl, that <laughs> incredible game against the New England Patriots. But, the one thing I just can't figure out, they draft these offensive guys. They got all these players between Austin Hooper and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, guys that can make plays. I don't know what happened to Devontae Freeman, but you know they seem like a team that should be able to score a whole bunch of points. They go out on their first drive, it seems. Every time I watch them, they have a perfect first drive, and then they forget how to play football afterwards. I don't really know what the hell is happening in Atlanta. I don't know if Dan Quinn is the problem. But the defense suffers when those turnovers do come. I like their players on defense. They're fast. They need to get shirt up a little bit more, uh, you know, up in the front four, I would say. But I don't understand why they don't score 30 points a game. Um, well, <laughs> talking in Atlanta is more of the defense because the Falcons uh, in the past, especially the last couple of years, they can put up points. They still can put up points. The problem with the offense is really the offensive line. They dressed, they drafted two guys in the first round last year, Caleb McGarry and Lindstrom, and neither one, one didn't even start the season right away because he was injured, and the other one went through those rookie struggles. The offensive line was kind of a mess. Alex Mack is a great center, but he's getting old. Jake Matthews is to me he's an average offensive tackle at best um and then when you add those guys and then you had two rookies they were about that was the problem they couldn't keep matt ryan protected like they should he got sacked a lot last year and you know we talked about matthew stafford being tough as nails matt ryan is also that same kind of guy where he's just tough as nails but um but really, the focus has been on the defense because Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator in Seattle when they had the Legion of Boom, and they wanted the Legion of Boom 2.0 in Atlanta. 
And for their Super Bowl run, it looked like they got it. They had a pass rush that was stout. You had Grady Jarrett. You had Vic Beasley, who had 15-plus sacks. And then the year after, the defense didn't show it. In the last couple of years, there's been no pass rush in Atlanta. Like, Beasley, you know, if somebody signs Vic Beasley to a long-term deal because of how he finished strong in the second half, well, that's when Falcon season was kind of already done. But but it's really the defense a lot of people are getting frustrated about because they gave up so many points. They give up so many yards. Desmond Trufant, since he signed his contract, hasn't done much, similar to Devontae Friedman on offense. Falcons' run game has been a mess, but a lot of it you can probably point to the offensive line. So the Falcons, they have Matt, they have Julio. That's great. They have Grady Jarrett, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. It's frustrating because a team that talented should not finish 7-9 every season on both sides of the ball. Yet Deion Jones also had a great linebacker on top of that. So I know I'm kind of rambling on and on about the Falcons, but it's just one of those mysteries about Atlanta of why can't they win 10 games or be a major threat to the New Orleans Saints the last three seasons. Well, that's my point. They got a bunch of really great players around, and I what I thought was a very good coaching staff. I don't know, maybe they're missing Kyle Shanahan a little bit, maybe not. I don't know what it is. But, again, Dan Quinn, like, uh, like you said, with Seattle all those years, comes in. He's been the head coach there for a few years now, and he's supposed to sure up that defense and not happening. Got to look elsewhere because you got the players, and now you got to put them in the right spot. So, right. and a lot of people were stunned he kept his job. Um, yeah. But yeah. Arthur Blank, the owner, is not one of those guys that's a is a guy that's really going to drop the axe unless he really feels like it. And the thing about Dan Quinn with the players, and I guess with the front office, is he's a very likable guy. Uh, even when they were one and seven, the players did not. To his credit, the players did not. You know, finger pointing at Quinn. They didn't quit playing for Quinn. Um, they like him a lot, but as you said, is he the right guy? And right now, he doesn't seem like he's the right guy. Now he has to keep out all his assistants because after he made those changes on, you know, with the coaching staff during the bye week, they rolled off. What was it? They were they went six and two in the final eight games. So, including winning two games in New Orleans and San Francisco. So maybe that's the case, but if they get off to another slow start, though, they're in a big, Atlanta's in a big problem because Atlanta's that town that if they're not winning, fans aren't going to show. Yeah, they're going to feel a lot of pressure. And look, we're talking about a division where the Falcons can't find themselves. Caroline is unsure of what direction they're going, even though they got you know, a new uh, head coach in Matt Rule. They're hoping big things out of him. And uh, we're talking about the Bucks, who are a consistent 8-8 eight and eight team. And, you know, I don't see them going anywhere unless, again, they can get a really solid quarterback. So we're talking about the New Orleans Saints, who own that division, have been wiped out of the playoffs three years in a row in the last play of the game, which is just sickening if you're a New Orleans Saints fan. But they own that division. If you're a Falcons fan. <laughs> yeah, it, right. I'm for real. Seriously, man. And – uh you know, so again, the Saints own the NFC South right now, and there's a lot of reasons why. Point to Sean Payton, point to Drew Brees. 
You could point to that defense. Cameron Jordan is one of my favorite players. Michael Thomas set the uh, you know single season record for catches in a season. Uh, phenomenal team. I love Alvin Kamara, even though we did have a setback this year. Came back on a little bit toward the end of the season. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if they can get another two-headed monster going on over there. But that brings me to a couple other players. Since Drew Brees has signed, or not, not he said he's coming back to the Saints, so he will be the starter for the Saints again next season. What do you do with Teddy Bridgewater? What do you do with Taysom Hill? Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, he's going to get signed somewhere. He's probably going to get starting. He's probably going to be a starter. I don't know how much money he's going to make. I don't think they're going to throw $30 million at him. But I think he's good enough to be a starter, having that 5-0 record in New Orleans. Maybe he goes, does go to Carolina. Maybe he does go to Tampa Bay. There are a few teams out there that I can see him going to that he can make somewhat of a difference. Believe it or not, if Tom Brady's not in New England, I think he would fit freaking great in New England, okay? I think that Teddy Bridgewater is exactly the kind of guy they want. Somebody who's not going to turn the ball over, make those short, solid passes, keep the clock going, and let the defense do the job. So I like Bridgewater, but... I don't like him as a guy who's going to change your team. A guy who does change your team is Taysom Hill. So if it's between the two of them, I'm picking Hill because of how dynamic he is. And I don't believe Bridgewater's the guy that's going to take you to the promised land. Now, I'm not saying Hill is that guy either, but he's a guy I want on my 53-man roster because he can play literally every position on the field. He's slash 2.0 billion. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable player. What do you, I mean, what can you say more about Taysom Hill? Right. Um, and I remember they played a clip, um, with Hill saying that, saying that he believes he's the franchise quarterback and he kind of got ridiculed for it because, because of so far he hasn't shown much as a quarterback. Well, First off, what do you? First off, to people who are ridiculing him, what do you want him to say? Uh, I think I'm an okay quarterback. I don't know if I'm a franchise. No. Yeah. Right. If, you know, I like the confidence he has. Um, now, the only thing that would concern me is if he signs, they have to use him like a franchise quarterback and not kind of that Swiss Army knife like he's doing in New Orleans right now. But. Um, I think give him a chance in the place. I don't know if he's going to go to Carolina. I know a lot of people are pointing Carolina is very ideal with Joe Brady there as the offensive coordinator, but also, but also I think, you know, Carolina is a destination for either, either Bridgewater or Hill. For some reason though, I think John Gruden in Las Vegas, it's weird saying, not saying Oakland anymore, but <laughs> John Gruden with the Raiders, I think for some reason would do anything and everything to get Taysom Hill to the Raiders and say, hey, you're going to be my guy. Um, whether they keep Carr or not, that's going to be his guy. And he's going to get a shot, I think. And I think he'll end up going to the Raiders because also he's in the near, he's from the nearby area. He went to college at BYU, so so I think he's more suited. I think for what Groom wants to use him as in with the Raiders. So I think I think give Hill a shot to see if he's the franchise quarterback. And I think with somebody like John Gruden, he can do that. 
He really can. Well, I think but, that, uh, that that's a very interesting dynamic because John Gruden is exactly the kind of guy who would want to taste some hill. There's no doubt. It's hard to see him as a full-time starting quarterback because we haven't seen enough of it yet. But exactly. I agree. You, you do give the guy a chance. There's no reason why you wouldn't. And you could do a whole laundry list of things with that guy on offense. Forget about it. So even if, again, you did have another quarterback on the roster, you can mix it up. Sean Payton does a phenomenal job of doing it now. So we'll see. I think those two guys going ahead and Bridgewater is going to find another home. Let's move yeah, I on. Think he'll go ahead. Carolina. I think he would be a little more ideal for the Panthers as opposed to Hill. And I think he'd be a perfect compliment to uh, Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think that, that I think things could work out pretty well over there. That might be an ideal situation. All right, I got at least one more topic I want to go over with you, and we've been having a great time over here in the Roof of Sports podcast. Timothy, I really can't thank you enough for being part of this. You've been bringing a lot of great insight today. Much appreciated. Let's see if we can get a little more insight on a little game called Who You Got. I'm going to name two players. Tell me who you got and why in under 15 seconds. Oh gosh, All right, here we go. Right. I'm going to, I'll give you a, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a layup, but it, it, it's a little bit of a tough one. Julio Jones or Amari Cooper? Julio. Julio. Oh, that was a quick answer. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm talking to a Falcon fan, so what do I expect over <laughs> here, right? Watch, Cooper gets traded in the Lions next year. Cooper will be your answer next year. <laughs> All right. Oh, just for more consistency. <laughs> Here's an interesting one because they're two totally different players but bring so much to the field. Tyreek Hill or Michael Thomas? Oh, gosh. You really hit a home run with that one. Thank you, sir. I'll go with Tyreek Hill. Okay. Because I think he can do more things with, with the football. He can catch and make plays afterwards. Thomas... I think it's a very underrated – I mean, it's hard to say a guy that catches that many passes is underrated, but I think he gets overlooked. But I think Hill is just more of an explosive guy on top of it. So I just lean a little bit more to Tyreek Hill. And then Michael Thomas has Drew Brees. With, I mean, they both have excellent quarterbacks, but I just lean more towards Hill. Yeah, I'm certainly not taking anything away from Michael Thomas because I agree with you on this one. Michael Thomas is top three, no question about it. I put Devontae Adams in that category, DeAndre Hopkins for sure. Um, Tyree Kill is is in there. He's a top three, four, five, whatever you want to call it. And it's for all the reasons you said. He's so dynamic. You can give the ball to him on end arounds. He does punt returns. I mean, you saw what he did to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I could still throw up all over my laptop right now. I mean, <laughs> the guy was wide open waiting, you know, sunbathing, waiting for the ball to get to him. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So, yeah, he's extremely fast, unbelievable player. Let's get a few more in here. Here's, uh, here's a bit of a toughie because they're both around the same age and they both bring a lot to the table. Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey? Oh, man, you really are putting some hard, on the spot one. Hey, man, you, you, you're, you, you know your stuff, so I'm giving you the hard ones, bro. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Um, I think McCaffrey. And, you know, when they both got drafted, I never dreamed of saying McCaffrey over Bartley. Um, but McCaffrey has shown he can be – well, I mean, they both can do – both can do a lot of things with the football. I just think McCaffrey can do a little bit more as of this point. 
So I lean more towards McCaffrey in that sense. But I mean, you're choosing between one and one A at this point. I think with Barkley McCaffrey of overall all around running backs in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you who wouldn't want to start their franchise with either one of those running backs? They can both catch the ball. They both run great field vision, great moves. I mean, everything you can want. And also franchise type guys, guys that you want to be in front of the microphone, guys that you want to represent your team and your community. So Class yeah, no doubt about it. Both of them are, I'm going to take Saquon. Um, and there's really not much huge of a reason. They both really can do the same thing. But every time I look at, every time I see Christian McCaffrey, I guess just cause he's small in stature. I mean, he's, uh-huh. I mean, He's, he's huge. I mean, the guy's built, like you know, let's be real. And he can run in between the tackles, no problem. But every time he gets hit, I feel like, is that it? Is that the one where he's not going to get back up from? I get scared about that. And ironically, Barkley was the one with the, one with the injury earlier in the year. But um, I don't know. Overall, I think I would take Barkley. I think that maybe he's just a little bit tougher. Maybe he's a little bit better in the open field. And that's really hard to say because Christian McCaffrey's as good as it gets. So, God, that's a tough one even for me. I can't even believe I I brought that up. Stupid. All right, how about this one? Two quarterbacks who are, uh, you know, certainly a little bit different. Both can do one a little bit better than the other, but they're both franchise quarterbacks leading their teams into the future. Their names are Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. Who would you rather have under center? I'd rather have Deshaun Watson. That was fast. Largely because I think he's more polished in the passing game. Jackson against the Titans in that playoff game and the losses they had, he struggled passing from behind. Watson can show he can pass the ball when he needs to pass the ball. So I think I would lean more towards Watson. Okay. I mean, everyone loves Jackson. He had a great year. I just think Watson's a better passer, and that's why I take Watson over Jackson. No, I I, look, I totally agree with you. I think that Watson is is a way better pass than Lamar Jackson, even though Jackson's rating was incredible this year. He seemed to find Mark Andrews wherever he was in the, over in the middle of the field. So he did a great right. job. Can he sustain it? I, I don't really know. I don't believe he'll be running the way that he's going to be doing in the next two, three, four years. But Deshaun Watson's a guy I have a lot of faith and a lot of trust in. He's a real leader. His teammates love him. I would go with Watson also. Let's do maybe. Go ahead. And as you said about Barkley and McCaffrey, both of them are stand-up guys and class acts through and through. Yes. Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I wonder if these two guys are going to be class acts through and through. They seem like definitely one of them is. Another one, he seems like it could be a little bit of a roughhouser, but uh, so far he's composed himself well. Not necessarily in the playoffs this year. Josh Allen or Sam Darnold? Who would you go with? Oh, God. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, the way Darnold finished off the year, if I'm a Jets fan, there's some hope on it. There's some hope at the end of that tunnel. There's a little light at the end of the tunnel. So I kind of go with Darnold because I think he can be that passer that people hope he can be. Allen, he got the Bills in the playoffs, and he got better as the season went along, but I'm just waiting for him to do something, and he and I don't know if he'll ever get to that point with being, being that prolific passer. He has the tools. I mean, he has the body to look like the quarterback, but to this point, he hasn't shown it. 
I, you know what? I hear he's had his moments and his good moments and his bad moments. There's no doubt about it. Both have, as a matter of fact, but that's what you expect from guys who have been in the league only a couple of years. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Sam Darnold fan. No question about it. When he came back to the Jets in that first game against uh, Dallas, they all rallied behind him. The playbook was back open. He did a great job. Um, he's still got a lot to learn, no doubt about it. Right. Give him a few more better weapons, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. But I like Sam Darnold. I'm a, I'm a fan, but I'm a huge fan of Josh Allen. I love this guy's game. He reminds me of a of an early John Elway. Not so accurate, I get it. But he's the kind of guy who's going to keep you in the game until the very end. He's going to do everything, whether it's running the football, throwing the football to John Brown way down the field. Give this guy a few more weapons. He really didn't have a great running game. Devin Singletary started getting his game going a little bit. Um, he's got decent protection and really not that good protection. It's a good thing because he can get away for a big guy. That guy is very athletic. He can run around. He can make long throws. He just has to get more accurate. You can't really teach right. that. He's just going to have to get his timing down. But I would take Allen. I'm just a really big fan of his. I really am. And Buffalo's getting those pieces, as you hit on before with Singletary and um, Brown. So right. there's some pieces that they can get. Maybe that third piece. Maybe Buffalo dethr- finally dethrones New England even next year. Who it's knows? very possible. They got the defense to do it. I love their head coach. He made a bad mistake, a couple of bad mistakes in the playoffs, but uh, hopefully he'll learn from them. Unlike our boy, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan over here. <laughs> All right. We got time for one more. Uh, I know it could be a long one, but let's try to shorten it up a little bit. This one's interesting uh, as the other ones are, but uh, we're going to go with two other young quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, Murray. Murray. Oh, you said that quick. Okay. Give me, all right. Tell me why. I think there's a little more poise to him than Mayfield, as we can, t- as we've seen this year, that Mayfield was very combustible. He was very combative. He was very combustible. And as a quarterback, you can't have that. You can't have that. Um, and Mayfield made all the no-nos that he was that he uh, couldn't have done. I mean, made all the no-nos you're not supposed to do as a quarterback. Now, I like, you know, I like his I like his cockiness. I think he was perfect for the Browns at the time they got him because they were 0-116. But he didn't take that next step. And the way he didn't take that next step was <sighs> I, I hate comparing him to comparing him to this guy, but it was very Johnny Manzellish. Yeah, I and hear that you. That was a problem, and that was a problem that kind of worried me about Mayfield. But you know, Murray, I don't see that kind. Don't see him being, you know, combustible. If like the pressure's on, he's going to snap or something like that. He's, I think, he's kind of an even keel guy. Even back in his days when he was at Oklahoma, I mean, he just didn't seem like you could really rattle him. And like the first game of the year against the Lions, where the Lions had that big lead, you know, Murray stayed poised and continued doing what he did. And I was impressed with how he handled himself. All right. Because I thought, okay, once again, system quarterback, like I said about Mahomes, well, he kind of proved me wrong in that aspect as well. He just seemed like he was – took everything in stride. I just don't know about Baker Mayfield right now. Fair enough. 
Fair enough, and time will tell. Young quarterback stat will probably be in the league for a long time. We got about 30 seconds left. Timothy, it's been an unbelievable pleasure having you on. You're definitely coming back on the show again. I can't wait. But with the 30 seconds we have, can you please tell everybody where they can find you, where they can read up on you? Okay. Um, my Twitter thing, first off, you guys go to prosportsfandom.com. Um, there's a lot of articles. Mostly they're mine. Um but there's plenty of articles there uh, for your viewing browser. And then there's twitter.com slash obstructed view too. That's how you can reach me. And uh, love and, it. And at obstructed view too. All right. Been a great 